When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey y'all, this is Marcus King, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. Pantheon Podcast presents Deeper Digs with host and rock and roll archaeologist Christian Swain. Music, culture, technology, and rock and roll. Now, with the show. Look in my eyes. What do you see? The cult of personality. I know your anger. I know your dreams. I've been everything you want to be. I'm the cult of personality. What? No, Jimi Hendrix? To start the show? Oh, don't worry. There'll be plenty of Jimi Hendrix as we go along. This is our third show in our Hendrix November tribute. Uh, coming up in just a bit will be Vernon Reed from Living Color, hence starting with Cult of Personality. And we also have the incredible John Hammond as well. Both will be discussing their recollections on our subject. Of course, this is all in service of the upcoming celebration on what would have been Hendrix's 78th birthday. Friday, November 27th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Kiss the Sky presents a live stream of their annual Jimi Hendrix birthday bash direct from the historic Bearsville Theater in Woodstock, New York. See why Rolling Stone magazine has said, yes, believe the hype, this show lives up to it. And why Access TV crowned Kiss the Sky featuring left-handed guitar virtuoso Jimmy Blue who will be on the show on our last uh, uh, Hendrix show uh, in a couple of days. Uh, The world's greatest tribute to Jimi Hendrix. Kiss the Sky creates Hendrix's most iconic concert moments in full replica wardrobe and gear so well that they've had the honor of playing with all surviving members of Hendrix's own bands, including Billy Cox, The Last Gypsy. Check the bearsvilletheater.com or at Kiss the Sky tribute pages on Facebook for more information. Remember, I've told you, this is a donate-only show. It's free if you really want it that way. Of course, I think you'll be impressed enough to uh, hand at, f- at least a few ducats over to uh, uh, Jimmy Blue, uh, Kiss the Sky, and their wonderful show. So so make sure you check that out, okay? Business, business. Uh, well, we're going to refrain from business this week because uh, we're going to have two deeper digs uh, shows to drop for you. There'll be a little bit more uh, on the next one. Um, so other than to suggest you all go to pantheonpodcast.com to see what we have going on, um, you know, that's all there is. So, well, you know, we do want to thank our patrons from Patreon. Uh, you know, those of you buying tea public swag, keep it up. Uh, if you want to just buy us a cup of coffee, please do, and we will be eternally grateful. All right, that's it. Let's do it.
Wow, we have had such a great time interviewing all these folks about their recollections, memories, and influence that began over 50 years ago when Hendrix became a star um, to uh, to today, uh, because he certainly still matters. We have two more shows leading up to the November 27th uh, gig with the last episode, including Billy Cox and Juma Sultan, who played with the man. And then finally, Jimmy Blue, who uh, has been performing as Hendrix for decades. But up first are the guests today. Vernon Reed will join us in a bit. Um, but up first is John Hammond who knew Jimmy before his ascendancy and even for a few Hammond gigs at the Gaslight in New York City in 1966, uh, had both Hendrix and Clapton playing with him at the same time. In fact, Jimi Hendrix was discovered while playing in John's band by Chaz Chandler. At least the deal was decided, as we will hear. John Hammond is one of the world's premier acoustic blues artists a Blues Hall of Fame inductee and Grammy Award winner with 33-plus albums to date and an almost 60-year career, eight Grammy nominations, 22 Blues Music Award nominations, and 10 wins. Besides Hendrix and Clapton, uh, uh, John uh, has performed or recorded with Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf, Dwayne Allman, Mike Bloomfield, J.J. Cale, Tom Waits, The Band, John Lee Hooker, Dr. John, oh, and many, many more. A tireless performer. He continues to tour worldwide on an annual basis. Well, until this year, that is. Hammond is uh, the son of record producer and talent scout John H. Hammond uh, and his first wife, uh, Jemison ha- uh, McBride, an actress. He is a descendant of uh, Cornelius Vanderbilt, the patriarch of the prominent Vanderbilt family, through his paternal grandmother, Emily Vanderbilt Sloan Hammond. He began playing guitar in high school, um, partially inspired by uh, the album Jimmy Reed at Carnegie Hall. He intended uh, Antioch College for one year, but dropped out to pursue a music career. How many times have we heard that? Uh, By the mid-1960s, he was touring nationally and living in Greenwich Village. Hammond usually plays acoustically, choosing a national resophonic guitar, and sings in a Barrowhouse style. His debut album, released in 1962, John Hammond, was one of the first blues albums by a white artist. Hammond has earned one Grammy Award, has been nominated for four others, and has provided the soundtrack for the 1970 film Little Big Man, starring Dustin Hoffman. Hammond hosted the 1991 UK television documentary, The Search for Robert Johnson, detailing the life of the legendary Delta blues band. You know, that was a great documentary. It was one of the first where they actually talked to a lot of the people that knew Robert, played with Robert, grew up with Robert, um, uh, the uh, the children of, of Robert Johnson. It was, it was, it's a really great documentary. I highly recommend it. The, and obviously, he's the perfect voice to narrate this wonderful documentary. It was his father who extended an invitation to Robert Johnson to perform at the Hammond-produced Spirituals to Swing concert at Carnegie Hall in 1938. We, we mentioned that in the, in the interview. John Hammond had 
tried to get Robert Johnson to play, but learned uh, at the last minute that Johnson had recently died. Hammond ended the concert by wheeling a phonograph on stage and playing a Robert Johnson recording, leaving the audience stunned and applauding wildly. John P. Hammond, Paul Hammond, our guest today, who's named uh, not only after uh, his father, but his godfather, the great Paul Robeson, um, obviously took in all of his father's interests and more to become a blues master himself and has found a long career with it. So let's get to our first guest today, the indefatigable John P. Hammond. Come on, baby. Up this morning, feeling all right for my shoes. You know about it, baby. I got the all fucking blues. I woke up this morning, baby. I'm feeling right for my shoes. You know about it, baby. I got a oh Lord, I got the walking blues. Welcome to Deeper Digs, and I gotta say first, belated happy birthday. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I guess it was last Friday, Friday the thirteenth. Uh, That's was, right. Was I was birthday. born on Friday the thirteenth. Were you okay? You were born on Friday the thirteenth. Nineteen forty-two. Yes. Yeah. War baby. Uh, you were definitely part of the baby boom. Uh, well, uh, your host Me and here, Jimmy. You, you and Jimmy. Yeah. Your host here was born on November twelfth. So, uh, uh, which is the same day that Neil Young was born on. So I feel pretty lucky about that. Uh, all right. First question. Obviously, we have to ask, you know, how are you faring in the age of COVID? Well, we're faring. Um, it's been very odd, uh, a change of style in a lot of ways. A lot of work uh, went out the window. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just it's just unbelievable. Uh and you have to cope with it the best you can. Uh, my wife and I are, are, you know, faring well, uh, but it's, we're just, every day, it's just mind-boggling uh, how things have changed. Yeah, they, we, we are definitely moving from, you know, you know, as we said, you were born in 42, uh, you know, baby boom, uh, probably the last time the world went through something as traumatic, uh, obviously more death and destruction, than what we have today is is World War Two, uh, and you know yeah. at, at the end of that war, um, you know the world was, you know moved from, you know uh, one you know set of players that were controlling things to you know uh, what became known as the American century, and uh, you know the rock and roll world, the blues world, everything that we love and talk about on this show, um, you know came out of that, uh, and now. This this might be the end. Uh, it, it's certainly the end of that post-war world, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'd say it's uh, it's definitely changed. Um, uh, different dynamics on so many levels. Uh, uh, the, you know, I, I used to be the kid. Yes. And now I'm the old guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you, really John hard. P. Uh, and uh, I think your dad, uh, John H. Uh yeah, you, you 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 your family has been extremely instrumental in bringing this music to the masses. 
um, you know, starting uh, with your dad and, and, and his life's work, uh, you know, uh, prior to the rock and roll age, well, even into the rock and roll age. I mean, let's face it, he did totally. sign I mean, Bob Dylan was, and Bruce Springsteen. He was happening on so many levels. Yeah. Um, well, one day there'll be a statue of him in Central Park, maybe. And, Why uh, is there not already and, a statue I know, for right? him in Central Park, for, <laughs> no, for, for Christ's he, sake? He, he was awesome. And uh, there's, but there's, I, I don't know. I could just talk all all night about him, you know. And I wouldn't even scratch the surface. He he was way ahead of his time, and yet, you know, he is responsible for so many iconic artists that are out there. And um, I don't know. It's just amazing. It is. It it is when when you go back and look at that career, uh, you know, uh, from you know discovering basically Robert Johnson, asking him to come to, I believe it was the 1938 uh, right. Carnegie Spirituals Hall. to Swing. Yeah, the yes, Spirituals it, to Swing. Spirituals concerts. to Swing. And, and yeah. unfortunately, you know— you know, we didn't have email back then or, you know, even a, you know, a, a, a quick postal service, uh, you know, it, the, the, the letter took its time. And also to try to find uh, someone of, of Robert's um, uh, background, um, uh, you know, be, being an African-American in the South and uh, and then, you know, a touring musician. Um, by the time the letter found him, he he'd actually had passed a few months prior. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. And that's crazy. Now, you have a connection with, with Robert Johnson uh, yourself. And, and let's say, you know, Johnson and, and several others, uh, you know, uh, Django Reinhardt, um, uh, uh, some of the other blues players, you know, are the foundation of, of rock and roll. But, you know, going to Robert Johnson, you you also helped um, present a documentary, I believe, in the 90s, uh, one of the first yes. that really went back and tried to find the people who knew Robert Johnson, right? Yeah, that, it, it was an amazing show. Uh, I was approached by a, a film co company from England who had spent a year prior to this doing, doing all this research they had found these people. They had done all of the the basic basics. They approached me and uh, and they asked me if I would be like the um, the spokesperson, kind of. Uh, it, it was all there was no script. Um, it was an amazing adventure for me. Uh, I found out more about Robert Johnson than I ever thought I would ever know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they had gone to his hometown. They found out where he was born, where he died, um, who he married, uh, old girlfriends, uh, places where he played. I mean, it was it was an amazing trip. Uh, I mean, where he recorded in Texas, uh, where he played all through Mississippi and Tennessee. I mean, he was a very complex guy for a very young guy, and. Uh, and he was a really sophisticated player. Yeah, you know, uh, there's been some talk that you know there something happened. Uh, you know, obviously we get the crossroads mythology, um, but uh, yeah. you know the, the 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 basic story for our listeners is that you know he he kind of was a, a good player, but an average player. He went somewhere. Maybe probably to Memphis is the the, the reality, uh, and uh, learned to really play, and then went back on the Chitlin circuit and was the monster that we know him of today. Wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, well, in a way, okay. I mean, he he actually spent a lot of time in Memphis. Uh, he had uh, a stepfather there and mm-hmm. a family there mm-hmm. that he would go back to from time to time um, uh, to get his act together if he'd been out there and crazy for too long, whatever, he'd go back. And uh, and he was a very sophisticated player. I mean, he he was not an ignorant farm guy or anything. I mean, he was he could read and write. Right. He was... Uh, mm-hmm. He was hip to all the other players. Um, well, one of the things about about that era was that there were records that were made by artists from North Carolina to Texas to Mississippi to Chicago, whatever. You could hear everybody. So he his style developed from having heard everybody. So he, he came up with a unique sort of a synthesis of of what was good. Yeah, you know, I mean he really he was an amazing player. And I could just go on and on about now, that. But uh I, I see your point. You you hit this point. I mean this is the beginning of, of recorded uh, 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 the the ability for the average person to uh, exchange recordings or hear recordings, yeah, to buy records, to, to hear them on right. the radio, <laughs> and, and, and then and then to say, oh, I see what that guy's doing. Uh, I'm going to yeah. incorporate that incorporate that in my um, uh, in my plane. So it's the exactly. the beginning of mass media and the ability to take mass media and and quickly learn from it. I think is your is your point there. And he was yeah. able to 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 synthesize all of that. That's the word you used, which yeah. brilliant uh, to uh, to create something that did stand up and above what the other guys were doing at the time. Right. Right. Uh, Johnny Shines, who I got to know. Uh, traveled extensively with Robert and he he told me that that Robert could, could play anything he heard anything from uh, jazz like the human to jukebox kind classical of yeah right. i mean he and was one of those ears. phenomenal yeah. he wasn't you know I, I i think of hendrix you know as a a person who could hear something and play it he yeah. could just do it you know he it would just fluid came right through him you know yeah yeah. There are there are people like that in the world. <laughs> uh, I have met a couple of them, and I've always been extremely jealous uh, of, of that <laughs> talent. I'm sure you probably feel the same way. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty incredible. Or, or you know, the guy who can pretty much pick up any instrument and start playing it without knowing anything about it. That's I've exactly. run into a couple of those too. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> so, so yeah. you're steeped. In, I mean, obviously, you were steeped uh, as the son of John Hammond uh, in this. This, this, you know, black, mo- mostly black legacy, uh, Robert Johnson, Count Basie, um, Billy Holiday, I think, uh, were all discovered uh, by your father. My father was amazing. Um, oddly enough, I didn't grow up with him. So a lot of this I found out later. Oh. Uh, I got into music on my own. I gravitated towards blues from a very early age, one thing my my father did on a weekend that I had with him, he brought me to hear Big Bill Brunzi. Yeah, Bill, Bill, uh, when Bill I Brunzi, when I was yeah. seven, when oh, I was right. seven years old, and it made a, an indelible impression on me. And from then on, I sort of gravitated towards uh, blues-oriented music. And um, by the time I was in my teens, I was a blues fanatic. Um, 
I got a guitar when I was 18 and started playing professionally when I was 19. I knew all the songs that I, that I loved and it came easily to me, but it was quite quite a trip. <laughs> uh, I bet it, you you are known as one of the first white blues players uh, on recording. Uh, I'm sure there were plenty of, of blues. Uh, there were plenty of, way way back. You know, there were white um, blues artists that that uh, recorded even in the 30s and the 40s. So it's not, I wasn't the first. Uh, and, maybe uh, maybe the revivalist uh, period of the mm, early 60s. Okay, my my my. First album was made in 1962, mm-hmm. which was before a lot of the guys, you know, who were out there were doing it. Um, there, there, there were there, there, there were players like Dave Van Ronk and uh, and others who, you know, recorded blues music, you know. But I was really intense. I I wanted to go for the for the deep stuff. Uh, so anyway, I mean, I'm not. You know, I, I just happened to be there at that time and uh, was able to get on shows with all of my idols. You know, with Muddy Waters and Howling Wolf, oh, Jimmy Reed, that's um, all the old timer guys uh, with uh, Sun House and Buck of White, um, Fred McDowell. I, I could just name you a who's who of the country blues and of the Chicago guys. You know, I really. I got it firsthand. I was able to be there and say, "Wow, listen to it and and you know be there." So, it so was, me, I'm very fortunate. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you a question about that because you know, it, it famously, you know, back originally in the 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 uh, first incarnation, you know, these guys were kind of. Uh, uh, mysterious uh, about their playing, and you know, I mean, famously, some would turn their back uh, so that you couldn't quite see what they were doing. Now, they're, they're a little bit older at this time when 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 you're probably hanging around them. So, were they more giving and willing to kind of show you the tricks? Um, I, I, I was too shy to ask anybody to show me anything. I was just happy to be <laughs> in their in presence. Their, right, right. Yes, exactly. I know what and, you mean. And, yeah. To watch their show, to to sort of absorb that that feeling, you know. I mean, it's, these guys were, were really hitting on it. It was great. Um, but I got to know some players who who were, you know, very seminal. Uh, I mean, John Lee Hooker. I got to be on a lot of shows with. I got to record with him. I got to to hang with him. And what an amazing guy, uh, just out of the blue. I mean, off the wall, you know, he was a character and oh, he'd yeah. been there and he's from Detroit, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, born in Mississippi, moved yep. to Detroit and through the great migration. And, right. Yeah. And he, yep. he, he had the scene down. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I mean, there was, you know, I, I got to be on shows with Howling Wolf and I got to know Wolf and Muddy and, Ugh. you know, it was, it was, you know, really wonderful times. There, there are artists out there. I mean, uh, Charlie Musselwhite springs to mind, Elvin Bishop. Mm-hmm. These are, are, you know, the legacy wonderful artists players yeah. who were there mm-hmm. and learned from the guys. You yeah, know, I mean, like they yourself. were. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a an amazing time. 
Yeah. And, you know, I, I was very fortunate to be in the right place at the right time so many times. Uh, and I got to know artists that, that were not just in blues, you know. Um, you know, I was really friends with Bob Dylan yeah. and yeah. Neil Young and, you know, all these guys who I, you know, were my contemporaries. Yeah, they and, came up with around And went in their own directions and yep. were just as dynamic as, as you can imagine. So I'm yeah. very, yeah. very fortunate that way. <laughs> Now, you are also known, uh, and uh, to speak about our primary subject today, as the guy who had Jimi Hendrix and Eric Clapton in his band at the same time for five, well, whole, days, in, they, five whole days. They, they the sat in line. with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They sat in with me when I had uh, my, my little band together uh, in New York in, in 1966. Uh, actually, I sat in. Uh, they sat in with me in 67. I met jimmy in 66 uh and um i put a little band together uh with guys that he was jamming with and guys that i knew uh and we played for a week at the, the cafe ogogo cafe in 1966 mm -hmm. and the audience was packed out every night and one of the evenings uh chas chandler yep. from the animals uh uh came up to came up to J Jimmy after the show and said, listen, uh, I'd love to record you. Here's a plane ticket to England, uh, all expenses, blah, blah, blah. And uh, that was how it all started. <laughs> I mean, that that was how he got the big break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Through I, I, I think uh, through Linda Keith, which at the time was Keith Richards' girlfriend, told Chaz Chandler about, you got to go check out this guy. And so he came to one of those shows. Is is that when Chaz first saw Jimmy play? I don't know if it was the first time, but that was the time that he offered him <laughs> uh, the trip. <laughs> oh, the experience. Have, yeah, the experience. That's right. The experience. So, um, uh, so you got to play with him. You got to know him. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you know, we, we started off talking a little bit about Robert Johnson. You know, uh, you know, I think, you mm -hmm. know, he's kind of like the. You know, there's a couple of guys that fit in that early period of like the Ur guitar player. Johnson definitely is one of those guys. And then Jimmy is, you know, one of those guys of the 60s that, you know, stands exactly. tall and above that. Uh, and so he, he had heard it all. Yeah. Know, he had heard it all. He knew what he loved and he loved blues and he could really he could play it, but he could play anything. He was one of those those guys that you go, oh, my God. And he was uh, the real deal. I mean, he was all about the music. I think um, the success and the big bucks and stuff was um, less important than playing. I mean, for him, he I don't think he was very good with money. Uh, yeah, that's a, you know, a common story for, for if you dive into Jimmy's story is that, you know, it just he didn't have uh, well, he had good manager with. Chaz and and of course he was trying to get Chaz back uh before he passed away uh but uh, you know in between uh it wasn't good times and yeah he needed somebody you know who really could understand and take care of him like like most right. artists do they you know they want to focus on the creative side and you need somebody who can handle the business side yes exactly 
Yeah, yeah. So as as a player, you know, we, as you said, you know, um, you know, learning about uh, Robert Johnson and his ability to just pretty much pick up and play anything, you would say the same thing uh, about Jimi Hendrix. Yes, he was he was one of those amazing guys, and uh, it was just awesome. Uh, How was it with him and Clapton on stage at the same time? Well, uh, they they knew of each other. Um, Eric was, you know, like a huge star with Cream, you know, yeah. and uh, yeah, at that point, yeah. Yeah, I mean he was rocking. So it's post day he's rocking. Yeah, yeah. And um, and uh, I I knew J Jimmy from a year before, and I had been on tour in England with uh, Eric in 1965. So they both knew me, and were both in town at the same time, and came by and asked to sit in. I said, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think everybody that was in the audience um, on those two nights has come up to me over the years and said, hey, I saw you with Jimmy and Eric back in 1965, 66, right? Uh oh. And uh, so I think everyone that's still alive, I've <laughs> I've met at some point. <laughs> Is it one of those stories where you run into? Yeah, I was at Woodstock, and there's so many people that there would have been like three million people at Woodstock if everybody actually was there. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 In in your mind, you know, you play. Our minds play tricks on us, on our memories, and sometimes uh, we see things that maybe we then put ourselves in uh but uh but i can imagine all the people including myself who would have loved to have been there uh regardless uh that must have been uh pretty crazy so uh what 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 do you, what what can you say about um hendrix as a person you know outside of uh the plane well he was a very soft spoken guy he was not um arrogant uh, I thought of him as just, you know, a real class act. Um, like I say, he was became so famous, so popular, so fast. It was like overwhelming to him, I guess. I, I didn't get to know him during the, the that height of his uh, stardom. He was in uh, another stratosphere at that point. I I was not on that level. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know him that well at the end. Yeah. Um, but, um, uh, I went to his funeral and, um, I paid my respects. I mean, he was, he was a guy. I mean, the guy, he made more money than Frank Sinatra, you know? Yeah. Here's a quick word from our sponsors. We'll be back in a bit. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. And now, back to the program. He was the biggest artist in the world at one point. Yeah, he certainly was. And, you know, he went through some iterations. I mean, the the the, the experience, uh, Band of Gypsies, you know, uh, the, the possibility of being in a band with Miles Davis uh, comes up sometimes. Uh, where, yeah. where, where do you think Jimmy would have gone had he not passed in 1970? I, I really don't know, but I think that uh, possibilities were... Uh, unlimited. Mm. I mean, he he was that good. Uh, but you know, I mean, when you become so famous and so iconic at so young an age, it's like God knows, you know, what's going to happen. Right. I mean, In some ways, that's a millstone. I mean, you know, the your Beatles, yeah. you know, had to stop playing because they were yeah. so popular that <laughs> they it, couldn't it even hear themselves. Just, right. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't know is the answer, and uh, but I, I feel very fortunate that I got to spend time with him and to to play with him and yeah. it was yeah. amazing just to watch him play you know he was yeah. so into it man yeah yeah amazing yeah, he 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 was well, he was committed, as they might say. <laughs> as soon as he strapped that yeah. uh, electric guitar on, you know that that lends itself a, a, an, an interesting question that I pose sometimes to to folks, and that is, you know, the guitar itself uh, was the dominant in, instrument in the late twentieth century. I I think its position uh, has waned uh, in the last uh, twenty years. I think the computer is now the dominant musical instrument. Um, but you know what what do you think of why you know why was it that that the guitar took off and just became you know i i, I mean granted the, the electric side was invented in the 20th century in the mid 20th century uh you know whether you're talking about les paul uh at first and then leo fender and all of that so right, you know right. why 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 do you think that that just dominated music in the late 20th century well it was uh an instrument that you could play as part of a band uh, as a solo for a, a troubadour like myself who could uh, go out, you know, all by myself on the road and make a living, uh, didn't need a band. Um, I, you know, it was a way to do it. Um, uh, you can't carry a piano on your back. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, the guitar was just like a... a a perfect instrument and uh, a way to to make yourself heard and uh, you know 
I, I don't know how to articulate it exactly, but uh, uh, I think you get the idea. I, I, I do. I might throw in... Um... It's the common man's instruments. It's you know, and, and let's face it, uh, you know, America post-war uh, was built on the common man, and and it's and the common man's interests. Uh, you know, uh, that was celebrated, and uh, you know, uh, any kid could you know pick the thing up and you know learn three or four chords, and off you run into the races at that point. Yep, just like that. And um, uh, there were uh, so much great music out there, and traditions. I mean, American music has got so many influences uh, from you know, yeah. all over the world. We, we are the melting I mean, pot, yes. That's exactly right. And That is our, music, our greatest strength. You know, should never I, be I, I was on tour once over in, in Europe, and I was on the sh show with this um, African player named uh, Ali Fakaturi. He was from Mali. And uh, everyone is saying, you know, this is where the blues came from, you know, and he really had a great sound. And I, mm -hmm. wow, I just knocked me out. And he only spoke French and I speak enough French to be able to get by to right. talk to him. Yeah. And I said, man, was there someone in your village that that you learned from? He said, no, man. I learned it all from John Lee Hooker. <laughs> Whoa. And I said, holy, you know, here's here's the. Yeah. Here's the supposedly the source, and it came from John Lee Hooker. Give me a break. Yeah. And it did sound like John Lee. And hello, uh, a lot of the African music that you hear sounds like, you know, more like folk music. You know, it's not the blues stuff came from here. Yeah. Yeah. Out, out of the Mississippi uh, Delta is, up to Chicago. And that's, that's. Well, yeah. But also, I mean, like, there are players that were from Indianapolis. There are guys from, from you know, different parts, you know, Oklahoma. And, you know, you can't pinpoint it. It's not one source. It could be from anywhere. Yeah. But when you hear that guy or that w woman that has it, you know, has that thing, you go, wow, that's, yeah. that's it. Yeah, I mean Bonnie Raitt. Oh, she, I was going to bring that. Uh, you said woman. I said I thought Bonnie Raitt. Right, right. Yeah, it's, well, it's she's, the ability to touch the soul or touch your own soul and right. express. It doesn't that. matter where you're from. If yeah. you got it, you got it. Right. And if you want it and you go out to get it and find it, yeah. You know, God bless. You know, yeah. there it is. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Hendrix was one of those those guys who who had it and knew it and wasn't afraid to just go for it, you know? And, uh, I just feel so fortunate to have, uh, to have had those moments with him where, you know, I, I could feel that, that energy and that, that power that he had. Amazing. Um, I, uh, I'm too young to have, uh, been able to see him, uh, live myself. Of course, I've seen pretty much every, movie or documentary or live performance he's ever done yeah. and uh yeah a, you know incendiary is probably the word that comes to mind more than anything else for that guy yeah. and you know as we said you know you had uh you know robert johnson and, and his like and you know then you, you had the the muddy waters and the sun houses and and that like and then Jimi hendrix comes around eric clapton Dwayne allman i know you got to play with him too yeah I got, he was another great friend I've met some pretty good guitar players over the years. Uh, <laughs> Robbie Robertson was okay, no slouch. You, you help uh, uh, those guys uh, 
hook up with what's that other guy? I think he won some Nobel Prize or something like that uh, right. to, to form that band. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, that's right. Yeah. They're called the band. Yeah. So you you had a hand in that mm. as well, didn't you? I did. Uh, and then you have, I think, you've done 34 albums uh, so far. Is that yes. is that right? And the, the latest being, you know, that's you know that's cold outside, or you know that's cold. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's not the latest. Actually, there's um, some. Um, I made two solo albums. Um, well, let's see the. Um, uh, uh, the last one is called Timeless. I don't know no, if you I have don't. that one. I don't. I'll have to look that up. I'll uh, look that up. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's that's a, time, timeless. Is that from 2014? Okay. okay. Yes. So are you? And that's got you know that's cold on. I think. Oh, <laughs> uh, come to find out, is that also from Timeless? Ah. Uh, yes. Okay. Right. All right. So you you you're, you're close, up to date. Close. <laughs> close yeah well listen i i mean i i've made so yeah. many records over the years and i've been so fortunate i've gotten to to work with artists like you know mike bloomfield and roosevelt sykes dr john Dwayne almond blah 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 it just goes on and on i've been very fortunate and uh and i'm still rocking you are what, <laughs> what are you working on now and yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy would have been seventy-eight. Was, was yeah. two weeks yeah, he, younger he, than he me. He would have turned seventy-eight on the twenty-seventh. That's absolutely right. So, That's what are right. you working on now? Have you have you have you done the Paul McCartney I'm, thing? I'm not uh, working. You know, he he's going to come out with an mm -hmm. album where he plays all the instruments, wrote all the songs, to no surprise, and produced it all himself. Yeah. Well, how nice <laughs> is that for him? I, I'm I'm trying to to uh, hang in there, getting some unemployment Ooh. money. Uh, I am not a wealthy guy. Uh, I have you, you know, need to be on the road, right? Life. Yeah, you you have lived your life on the road. Well, you know that's how I've always yeah. made a living. So when you can't do that, it's it's different. I'm uh, I'm not the new kid on the block. So whatever, it's you know it's listen. I'm not complaining. I'm a happy guy. I am married to a wonderful woman. We have a, a really nice scene, um, but I, I'm not in a position to go out and record on my own dime and that kind of thing. So I'm hoping that, that everything clears up eventually and uh, I can get back into some phase of, uh, of uh, performing or recording. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's gotta be just weird. Uh, your entire life is, it is weird. That, that's, is, that's has the been, word, you know, this, this expectation and this constant, um, you know, uh, work ethic, uh, and, and now it just all disappeared, uh, in a moment, in, in, in like the flash yeah, it, of, uh, you know, of lightning. It's just, yeah. it's crazy. Well, you know, you, you, you be thankful for small yeah. mercies, you know, yeah. and uh, that that Biden got elected, uh, that's that means a whole yeah. lot, and um, I think it's going to be um, a lot better from now on if he ever leaves. <laughs> oh, that um, guy! Oh, that orange anyway, monster! Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, he he's going. But let me let me let me assure you, he's going. Uh, the machinery has already started to move, so uh, by far. So, yeah. but I, I hear you. Uh, I understand, uh, and hopefully, you know, 
this is a temporary uh, problem, and it, it probably is. We, we've had these things uh, before, and, uh, you know, uh, yeah. it, it looks like, you know, we, we definitely have a lot more science and, and medical technology uh, uh, today than ever before, uh, you know, but it does, uh, you know, gosh, I, you know, it's to not have concerts in your life, uh, whether you p- play or go, yeah. is just absolutely weird yeah yeah it's weird and it's 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 uh unprecedented so everybody's in the same boat kind of and uh we'll just get through it the best we can well john hammond so glad to have you thanks so much for being with us on deeper digs today well listen it was a pleasure talking to you and uh i wish jimmy uh, a happy birthday uh he was the guy She's walking through the clouds with a circus mind that's running around. Butterflies and zebras and moonbeams and a fairy tales. That's all she ever thinks about. Riding with the All right, let's hear it for John Hammond. So nice to have him on the show. I've seen him, and he is the real deal. If you want to try to get back to the original strains of rock and roll, the blues, don't miss Hammond uh, if he is playing nearby you, hopefully in the near future. And go grab one of those 34 albums he has available. You won't be disappointed. Okay, up next is a lengthy conversation with the gunslinger Vernon Reed, lead guitarist of the seminal hard rock band Living Color. Their debut album, Vivid, was released in 1998 and sold double platinum. Its successor, Time's Up, was released in 1990 and was gold certified. They received two consecutive Grammy Awards in the category of Best Hard Rock Performance. They opened for the Rolling Stones' 1989 Steel Wheels Tour, which I got to see uh, them on the night that uh, the original Guns N' Roses blew up on stage. It was uh, uh, Living Color, uh, Guns N' Roses, and then, uh, of course, uh, the Rolling Stones, uh, and uh, oh, and Living Color appeared on the first Lollapalooza tour in the summer of 1991, so uh, definitely been around. Living Color broke up in 1995, but reformed in 2000. Since then, they have released three more albums, Kaleidoscope in October 2003, The Chair in the Doorway in September 2009, and Shade in September 2017. So they're still around, boys and girls. Don't worry, we'll see them again. Reed is a British-born but American-raised guitarist and songwriter. He was named number 66 on Rolling Stone Magazine's 2003 list of 100 Greatest Guitarists of All Time. He's a much sought-after musician in both bands with Masks, uh, uh, Ronald Shannon Jackson and the Decoding Society and the Yohimbi Brothers, uh, and also a sideman or collaborator with the likes of Bill Frizzell, Jack Bruce, John Medeski, Cindy Blackman, Santana, ja- um, The Roots, uh, uh, Public Enemy, Janet Jackson, Mariah Carey, DJ Lott. I could go on and on. 
but you can tell the eclectic requests for the man just from the list that I just made, okay? He's performed with the friend of the show, Matt Butler, and his Everyone Orchestra. I forgot to mention that to Vernon. Um, I wish I'd done that. He uh, also has his very own Hendrix uh, tribute act called Vernon Reed's Band of Gypsies Revisited Band with uh, Andre uh, Dre Glow, LaSalle on guitar and vocals along with Vernon, uh, Jared Michael Nickerson on bass and James Biscuit Roos on drums and vocals. Now, interesting, Biscuit Roos also sometimes sits in with Kiss the Sky. Uh, before we head to the interview, let me say that Vernon is well-versed on many subjects, yeah, kind of like myself. So when he goes on tangents, um, I just went along with him. Uh, but we do always get back to Jimi Hendrix one way or another. Uh, it, it was just it was one of my favorite interviews I've done uh, in a while. Uh, and I, I enjoy everyone. Don't get me wrong. I really, really do. But every once in a while, you come across somebody that you're like, wow, we could really be friends. All right, let's get into it, diggers. Here is the great Vernon Reed. Well, she walked through the clouds, the circuit's mine all the time. Marshmallows and movies, fairy tales, the Vernon Reed, uh, welcome to Deeper Digs. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. It's Friday. The sun is shining, even though I'm, I'm in my uh, basement laboratory. Your basement. So. That's it. This, that, that, this looks like quite a laboratory behind yeah, you there. Uh, kinda, by the way, uh, uh, live long and prosper. I like your spot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, enough. that's my middle sister. Is a, we are both kind of Trekkies. My youngest oh, sister God. is like, yeah, it's boring. <laughs> but, oh, but no. We were like no, original no. series. Yeah, uh, Trekkies. So yeah. yeah, same here. Same here. I can't imagine my philosophy in life not uh, being uh, so influenced by Gene Roddenberry. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, you know he. It's it's so funny because the things he got right, he got really right, and the things he got wrong, like there was the episode with the space hippies. Oh, that was a bad, <laughs> that was a legendarily bad one. That's a legendarily bad one. Yeah, that that one doesn't age very well. Does no, it? it doesn't age very well. <laughs> Although and, Spock and, jamming uh, is pretty fucking cool. Oh yeah, Spock. Yeah, it's true. That's true. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those those. Uh, yeah, uh, mm, you know. Yeah. But when but you know, who doesn't love the, the goatee? You know, who doesn't love? Um, oh, know, uh, alternate universe Spock and uh, oh, yeah, oh yeah, the goatee. Uh, 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 yeah, with yeah. the dagger. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, right. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, is lots it, of fun, lots of fun on that. Oh yeah, assassination is a, le a legitimate <laughs> form of advancement. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. got the lines. All right, all right. Oh yeah, Harcourt Fenton Mud. Yeah, the trouble. With yeah. yeah, Fenton that's, Mud. That's yeah. one of the that's one of the better whimsical ones. Yeah, 
Yeah. I agree. I, I yeah, and the trouble with tribbles uh, is uh, you know yeah. another fun one like that. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, that it was uh, you know even though three seasons and that's it, and you know obviously wasn't a big success uh, in its initial run, but boy has it stayed with us. Uh, oh man, it's cha- it changed icon. the landscape. It changed it, but it's like one of those things that is incredibly influ- incredibly influential. It's like Woodstock. You know, Woodstock was a disaster for the concert promoters it was really was they lost their shirts it was really you know it was basically turned into a bums rush and then they ran out of everything and then then the national guard had to start airlifting people you know and food and things like that yeah so everything went wrong except for the music yeah uh uh, we've done quite a bit of research on uh woodstock Uh, you know uh, uh, as most of our fans we call them diggers know around here we have uh, our rock and roll archaeology podcast which is an entire uh retelling of the history of rock and roll and how it interfaces with culture and technology uh Mm -hmm. so it's not just a you know this band beget that band and this is a genre and that's a genre it's uh it's about how music interacts with the culture and and how rock and roll especially all of this occurred in real time uh, in the mass media. So it was, you know, turned into a global yeah. ph- phenomenon right during its uh, creation, which was highly unusual for an art form. Yeah. Um, and so we've done a lot of research on Woodstock. And yeah, uh, the one thing that did work and kept everybody um, uh, satisfied as opposed to what happened at Altamont a few months later uh, yeah, was yeah. the great music uh, that that occurred. I, we, we give it up to uh, the, the great music and, uh, and Wavy Gravy and the hog farmers who were able to sure, at least right. uh, provide some sort of uh, civilized uh, society uh, out there in yeah. the mud. And also, you know, I mean, really, um, you know, you have to give it also up to the National Guard, too, because, you know, yeah. they actually provided assistance. You know, the, you know, the commanding, the CO mm-hmm. was like, you know, there are a bunch of kids up here and they're, they're running out of everything. And, you know, the, and those same kids were pro, would be protesting the, the, the and, military. Yeah, the, the military. Time, yeah. But mm-hmm. the, they, but but you know, that's the part of it that make, is, is very moving. That mm-hmm. they actually mm-hmm. didn't just well leave them to themselves. They actually pitched in, mm-hmm. and uh, and helped a great deal. So, yeah. So it was like it's like one, but it's like it's a it's such a, a, a indelible cultural marker. It became, you know, everything just like Watergate. You know, you know everything something gate like gate became. You know, <laughs> The yeah. suffix to, to everything. You know, and, and yeah, so any, any kind of political uh, scandal uh, ended up in a gate, yes. You know, and then, you know, Woodstock became Wigstock, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah. so stock yeah. became, yep. a, uh, you know, a, a kind of suffix to... Oh yes, I've I've played my share of wolf stocks uh, yeah, in my yeah. day. <laughs> oh, yeah. So and, and uh, you know because it became so much larger, it became larger than it it actually was in a way. It's kind of like you know Hendrix playing the Star Spangled Banner. I mean, people were leaving. Like the whole thing, like he was supposed to go on at midnight, and the whole thing went sideways. And he yeah, he going you know, five, uh, seven o'clock in the morning, I think. Yeah, uh, six Monday or seven morning. in the morning, yeah, people yeah. were trying to get to New York Thruway, you know. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. But but yeah. you know, the thing is, of playing Star Spangled Banner, you know, like yeah. at sunrise, you know, that's pretty, you know, that's actually. <sighs> you know better right yeah yeah I yeah I, I i just recently got to talk to billy cox about uh oh, the experience and and gerardo of, of les as well yeah. uh, i'll be talking to juma who yeah. you know were all part of that that uh that act the electric there, church uh, yeah they're, the they're like church, some yeah. of the only people i mean really like um you know billy cox should get a presidential medal of freedom or something yeah, you know, he's yeah, like billy, yeah. billy cox is literally 
of the you know and 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 and, and uh yeah one of jimmy's first uh, musical partners yeah and uh, and he's the you know in a lot of ways the last man standing yeah yeah on you know what i mean even though mm-hmm. with, with all due respect to yuma and dorado you know they, i mean they were part of the last kind of thing but um but Billy was there for for the whole evolution and the yeah. big one side from sixty one on yeah yeah you know yeah, what I mean yeah. and um and I think uh, he deserves recognition on a just a massive level because you know he still plays plays great he mm-hmm. still plays great and mm-hmm. you know he sings great and uh, um you know I think yeah, there's a couple still, of those guys I mean you know Buddy Guy comes to mind uh, he's oh, still yeah. out there I mean. Other than you know the the troubles of 2020, uh, not being able to perform, uh, you know he he had been out there uh, every day. Uh, still well, you know, it. Buddy Guy was the youngest, right? Like Buddy yeah, Guy of was the, the, of the of the of the that blues crew guys, yeah. of dudes. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was He's the a, he was the yeah. whippersnapper. Yeah, right? he that's was right. the uh, infanterible, you know. <laughs> <laughs> him and Luther Allison. If on terrible. Yes, yes, yes. You know, the terrible and, youth. Yes. And you know, and they complained about him, played too many notes. He's not, <laughs> he's not, you know, and and uh and he's become, you know, he's 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 become, you know, the Jedi master. He's become yeah. the, you know, of the you know of the of the living blues guys. You know, that there are only a handful left really yeah yeah and well it's not just that i mean a lot of those classic rocker guys that next generation are all gone you know that original class you know of uh you know uh elvis chuck uh you know little richard uh, now yeah. it's the one man standing and jerry lee lewis and you know he's he's really up there so uh yeah. in age. so well you know it's gonna be yeah, a day it's, when it's, all that's gonna a, be it's gone a weird thing you know it's a yeah. weird thing i mean more you know like mortal <laughs> yeah you know? well you we know? all are yeah, music yeah, is yeah. immortal, but no, more, the music is immortal, right? You know, like uh, you know, I I would make you know I I'd make a snarky comment about Ray Kurzweil, but I won't do it. <laughs> oh, t- taking away the humanity is that what the, the, that's uh, no, where you're going? No, you know, but, but 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 you know, I mean, he's. I mean, oh, that's right. He wants to. He wants to ice his brain or something. Well, uh, you know, right? I mean, it's he's a, he's somewhat of a quixotic figure. You know, I mean, yeah. he. I mean, he knows that the singularity, yeah, is singularity. like the right. The singular, you know, he knows that the singularity is coming. He's achievable, and he's right mm-hmm. there. And um, yeah, and he's yeah. just got to live long enough, you know, for the great yeah. download, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't well, know if uh, he'll make that. I, I still, I still think we're about twenty to fifty years away before. Oh, that we're we're, we're probably. We're probably fifty to a hundred years away. I mean, because you know, is it any sufficiently advanced technology will be indistinguishable from magic, or some? I'm para, probably paraphrasing Arthur C. Clarke, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And the things that we do now, like like you know, the the smartphones, you know, the iPhones and and uh, Android phones, they're unimaginable. You know, like they're old hat to us, but think about it, right? Well, uh, they're the you know the literal Star Trek communicator yeah. uh, and, is now and, and literally in more, our hand nowadays, much yeah. more and way bigger, yeah, yeah, more advanced than the Star Trek yeah. communicator. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because yeah. it's also kind of like we actually have or Dick Tracy's watch. We, I was going to say we actually yeah, now yeah. have, yeah, the Dick Tracy wristwatch radio, like we 
actually have that. Yeah, and it's um, way more powerful than Dick Tracy ever. Had. You know, but we don't have hyperlink. You know, so we, <laughs> you know, like we don't, we don't have a. I mean, forget about hyperlink. Like we don't, like we don't have a bullet train. Which yeah, is, the bullet. Which I know is we don't have we don't have anybody map. who's been to Japan or Europe and been on those goes. Oh why the hell do we not have this? Well, it's like stop. You know, it's weird. It's like stop motion animation. It's like it's so fa- it's the the, the, uh, the landscape is going by so fast yeah. that it's it's un it's unreal how yeah. fast the landscape goes by and you know and they have uh you know and uh, the japanese have had it for a long time the french have had it for a long time mm-hmm. yeah and uh, yeah. the english have had it actually. yeah you know, the yeah UK's had it yeah and um it's kind of it's 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 and you know it's because of a lot of interlocking interests and i want to go go down that <laughs> but you know i mean the future is about you know like when you see you know, the city under the sea or the moon base or, you know, like what you don't see is appropriations. Like Mm. you don't see budget fights about, you know, how are we going to, who's going to build the dome that's going to be sent up into space because, you know, like one state's going to make the plexiglass. Right. You know, so everybody's going to get a piece of the pie. Right. right. So, so they're going to be lobbyists. You know what I mean? I mean, whatever we do, you know, find gold or whatever on the moon. And then there's a moon rush, you know, cause, cause we're going to need, you know, cause unfortunately, yeah. like, like just, just wanting to learn about it isn't enough, right? Like we have to have a, a just a transactional thing. Like we have to find coltan on the moon and then, and, yeah. then, then, and then the rush, you know, and then, and then the race. Well, it's, it's already started happening. I mean, you know, with uh, Elon Musk's uh, dragon capsule and, uh, and mm-hmm. now Boeing's going to get into it. So, you know, the commercialization of space is, uh, you know, granted, it'll be low Earth orbit to start with. But, uh, you know, to your point, it won't be too long before uh, those uh, industrialists uh, will be heading out into the stars to, uh, uh, you know, make money, which will then do what uh, what I personally think sentiency is all about, which is to get us off the rock. So uh, Mother nature can uh, survive the next asteroid hit you know elon elon really should just do a really what you know if you really want to change things around right we would have the the ten thousand dollar tesla right like the like very cheap i think those days are coming the strip down like the pinto tesla that doesn't blow up right yeah (laughs) because basically if that was available because people say, well, you know, the, you know, the whole thing is like, okay, we need more charging stations. And that's kind of starting to happen. And yep. then, you know. And, and battery, you need, battery, uh, you know, range uh, is increasing uh, that's quite actually, a bit. Battery there, technology there is getting better. There are movements right now because mm-hmm. um, the successor to lithium is being mm-hmm. developed. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I forget the, the name of it, but it's, but it's actually, there is no risk of, risk of explosion. It's, it's, not, it's not volatile. Yeah. You know what I mean? So where lithium yeah. will overheat and the warp and can the casing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so that's so yeah. that's like so so those are the things that are gonna jolt. Like you need, we need, we still need discoveries. We still need things that are gonna jolt everything forward and jolt them mm. in a way that is like undeniable. Like you, okay, this is this is such an advance. Mm-hmm. That it's you, like we're not going back, right? Like the yeah, like the well, battery like the, like 
Yeah, like the invention the of the printing press, the internet, yeah. uh, you know, the, the atomic bomb. Vinyl, the unbreakable yeah. vinyl record, right? Yeah. The unbreakable <laughs> vinyl record, right? Well, well, you know, this is kind of crazy. Um, there's a whole cult of the 78, right? Like like blues 78s yeah, yeah. Are, are like, it's like a whole thing. Uh-huh. And part of the thing about that, them is that they're breakable. They're very fragile, yes. They're very fragile. Yeah. And that, mm. that, you know, that, of course, leads to kind of hoarding and cultish, <laughs> you know, feverish, <laughs> you know what I mean? I know Rare how people Star get Wars when it comes figurine to behavior, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, paying way too much money. If the wife ever finds out, I'll never sleep you know in this mean? house again, right? Oh, yeah. yeah like, at some point, like like baby yoda right like when when you know it's so funny before we started this call i i watched the uh i think it was the fourth episode of the mandalorian, of mandalorian. oh don't, don't don't spoil i'm not gonna spoil uh, I, but i have to say john favreau is a bloody genius uh, yes uh it's it's the best star star wars uh iteration since the first episode yeah episode it's, it's kind of you know i i kind of i i kind of you know, I really like the Star Wars stories. Like Rogue One was was fabulous to me. I love yeah, Rogue One. yeah. And, and Rogue One, uh, the reason I, you know, because Rogue One is maybe the most like a war movie. It's yeah, it's very Vietnam esque. Uh, you, you know, know it, it, it ends. It's an actually, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's an actual completed story. There's no option to move yeah, on. It's not, a, not bringing it, you know, know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, everybody dies in the see, end, basically. You know, it's a good well, Shakespearean story. Yeah, I, I would love to complete see conclusion. <laughs> bring back uh, another version of that robot. The robot was fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. once you once you, you once you establish a bot, um, you know they can they can return because they're they're a mass. Yeah, they're that, a mass, that could, they're yeah, mass yeah, manufacturing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, so, but but yeah, but Rogue One. I mean. And part of the reason why I love Rogue One is because you can't call something Star Wars and get away from the nature of war. Like, no. like you like, and it's the it's the aside from the Empire Strikes Back, it's the movie that really evokes the sacrifice of war. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, and the cat and the catastrophe. Of what war is yeah and a great cost i mean you know even in the first you know a lot of people it it, it escapes them that if you think about it th- there's a genocidal moment in the first movie they you know they blow up an entire planet an entire species right. of, of of this of of of, of humanoids whatever they might right. be alderaan but you know you're talking billions of people yeah and that's and the whole thing is like you know there's this like yoda has this kind of um this traumatic moment because you know like he, he felt oh he feels like, oh, the, yeah yeah well you know and this is and this is and because we don't see it see the thing about vietnam is like we saw the body bags and yeah. what happened was that sub you know i think subsequent administrations you know realized you know this is a terrible mistake yeah and, don't put and this even stuff the on whole camera. thing of embedding mm-hmm. um reporters really turned sideways because mm-hmm. They don't well, want they went rogue. <laughs> they went rogue. And yeah. and um there was a there were a couple of um of, of of short-lived websites that really were images sent by uh soldiers, you know, the second Gulf War, you know, mm-hmm. from the Iraq War, you know, of soldiers sending back pictures uh, and it was crazy town. It's crazy town. And you know, and and basically um they had there was a movement to you know, amongst the brass to shut that down because it was like, 
Well, yeah, uh, it uh, is not winning the hearts and minds at home. That's for yeah. sure. Uh, and and could cause, you know, an uproar like we saw uh, against the Vietnam War, uh, right. you know, both uh, the Iraq War and uh, the uh, the Gulf War um, did not do that. Uh, they were able to control the message, uh, control the media and uh, tap down the protests that did occur, which were, you know, uh, relatively minor, um, certainly compared to what we've seen this year. Absolutely. And we're in a, and we're in a kind of and we're really in a devastating, you know, situation right now. And, and the thing that's one of the most devastating things about it is that we don't see it. We don't see it because because for the most part, you know, and and it's and, and sort of rightfully so because of privacy concerns. But, you know, this is like what's happening amongst health professionals. I mean, they're 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 in a you know, they're being burnt oh. out. I mean, oh nothing. We've never yeah. been been in a situation that's killed actual more doctors and nurses. Mm, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Mean, for just doing their job, and and it's kind of um, you know, it's 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 a it's staggering, and and I think that we're gonna have to. There's gonna be a reckoning, and really, we haven't really even had the reckoning in music to talk about. I mean, it's it's weird. We're going into the holiday season with a quarter million people who are not going to be at Thanksgiving. They're not yeah. going to be at Christmas, mm -hmm. and 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 we're and and really weirdly, it's strange that the advertising is talking about you know about the sales, and it's just there's something tone deaf about that. There's something that's. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, well, you know, because capitalism can't stand a downer, right? But <laughs> this is happening. Like this is actually this is actually happening. And um and people who, you know, this this whole seasonal affective disorder, you know, a lot of people, you know, the holidays are not great for everybody. In general, uh, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, the the darkness is uh, is you know uh, we have much less light, um, and then at the same time, yeah, there's a lot of pressure uh, yeah. around the holidays uh, for people, and uh, it ends up not being a good time for a, a lot of folks, and that's that's never good. And just kind and of now, this year is just going to be on steroids. It's not, it's kind of cool. and, and and just even the fact of acknowledging that there are people who are, you know great you know they're they're in a in a in a bad way and um and we just have a tough time a lot of times you know the kind of level of the levels of empathy when we while we're while we're at the same time jutting out our chins at each other <laughs> you know what i mean it, it, it because everybody has got you know pain i mean you know there's there are people like uh we've all know somebody or we've all lost someone it's unavoidable, you know, and, um, you know, there are several artists and musicians and, and people that have, um, that I know of that have succumbed, um, yeah. to the situation. And, you know, one of the most heartbreaking for me is like our, our original living colors, original, um, sound person, our front of house engineer who's uh, Judy Marinas is a, you know, was female, just firecracker of a person just really, just fierce and, and great at her job. And, and yeah. Basically. And in the eighties, a, a rare breed for and you know, a, a exactly. woman, a front of house engineer. Mm -hmm. And she was the front of house. She was the front of house. She was the, the favorite front of house engineer at CBGB's. And mm. we, and we took her with us and, and she was with us right up until we opened for the Rolling Stones. And mm. um, she's just an amazing 
amazingly talented woman and a and a and a trail and just a trailblazing person and, and you know and she never she just did the job you know what i mean she it wasn't you know what i mean like she weirdly enough you know for me she's kind of a feminist icon but she never claimed that that was never her gig right mm-hmm. she her gig was was to, just being the best the front of house engineer that the she could be yeah. you know what i mean yeah and um and uh you know and it's so you know and, and and that story and and many more stories like that are just being repeated in their thousands yeah and, um, it's a travesty um it didn't need to be like this uh we could have um, affected uh this and and certainly not ended up with a quarter million people um uh dying had we just done some simple things early on and we um, unfortunately, um, refused to do so. Well, and and um, at a certain point, history is going to look back because history oh, always does, and it's, it's going to be and, brutal. And and it and it it really is, you know, it really is going to be this whole situation. And you know, not to really have to go into what that is, but it's so funny because this is also the fiftieth, you know it turns out to be the 50th year of the band of gypsies, you know I yeah. mean? I mean, I mean, it certainly was that in January and, mm-hmm. and, and really there should have been so many more celebrations and things and there just couldn't be, you know, they just couldn't be because. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything got stopped. Uh, everything you know, got stopped. Everything you know, got I, stopped. Uh, you know, and you, you do, you, you, you have your own uh, Jimi Hendrix tribute act, right? Yeah, I have this thing uh, called um, the Band of Gypsies Revisited, and we take we 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 do fast and loose interpretations of uh, mm. of uh, the Band of Gypsies material, but also we play uh, some of some of the earlier things from you know uh, our experience, experience and, yeah, and what have mm. you. But it's my myself um, and Andre LaSalle on guitar. He's a childhood friend, great guitar player. Um, very, very steep in, in, in very steep in Hendrix lore, uh, playing wise, but also very original. It was uh, Jared Michael Nickerson on bass and uh, and uh, Biscuit Rouse, James, Bis- James Biscuit Rouse on drums. And 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 Biscuit was so crucial because Biscuit, you know, uh, really to do the band of gypsies justice, you have to have a drummer that can sing because that's the thing about the band of gypsies is that. There were two lead vocalists, mm-hmm. and you know, and basically, I wind up croaking out <laughs> what I can. But but but, Biscuit is just off the hinges. He's a great great drummer and mm-hmm. uh, great um, singer. And and we and we have uh, done a couple of did a couple little tours, a couple moves, and uh, we actually played in Seattle. We played in Portland, and it was it was great. We played in L.A. You know, and um, and 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 one of the things we were talking about was, you know, this is like, this is the year to really do a bunch of stuff because this is the fiftieth year, and all of that got, <laughs> all of that got canceled. You know, yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and like like a lot of, you know, it, it's and for the musicians, it's tough. But I mean, I'm thinking about all the other touring. Oh, all the personnel that, oh, yeah, that, that's the, the real, uh, yeah, I, I've been trying to get our audience to recognize that that that's where the real problem is going to be when the lights go back on is, mm. you know, there, that this, the, the touring business was an extremely well oiled machine uh, globally. So. And, um, 
now all those people have been out of work for a year uh, or longer, and they're not going to sit around. They're, they're going to have to do something, and chances yeah. are half of them are not going to come back. And what does that mean uh, when, when, when it's time to, to you know, put one of those big tours together? I mean, you know, sure, the, the top-line guys will come back, but you know, the, the, the middle group, yeah, you know, where, where are they going to find the, their, their front-of-house engineer? You know? it's, very, it's very tough. And, and you, know, when, you know, beyond that, you know, the music industry, the theater industry, mm, yeah, the, uh, yeah. the, the, the food service industry, the hospitality industry, the movie mm -hmm. business. I mean, I mean, the, the, the devastation is really, you know, we haven't had a situation like this in a hundred no, years, but the thing about it is. Well, certainly years since ago, World War II, that's usually the, the point that I say, uh, 70 years ago. Yes, 70 years ago. Um, uh, it's the closest to what we're going through today is, uh, you know, a world at war, uh, certainly more dramatic and, and horrible, um, you know, but it's it's the, the number of dead or the number of dead. You know, and the other part of it is, is, you know, people. It's just kind of the whole I, you know, the latest thing is that there's going to be like a kind of tsunami of evictions, apparently, oh, you know, unless yeah. there's real action to say you know what? very quickly very yeah. quickly to say, like within a month right like you know what we're gonna you know you like make it illegal to to evict it you know it's like and you know and do whatever you know relief for the the the, the, the landlords and things but it's it's just the idea of we've already got a terrible homeless problem it's the winter time so the idea of evictions going forward is, is draconian it's it's kind of beyond belief Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's sort of like, what, you know, how do you, you know, there's certain traumas that if we don't handle this, if we don't start to get a handle on this, we can put the, the country into a trauma position that it will take a lot longer to recover from. Yeah, a decade or, or more, not too dissimilar from, um, you know, 90 years ago with the Great Depression. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's. Uh, yeah, there, nobody seems to be doing enough. And, um, you know, I mean, we can all point our fingers at, uh, you know, the current occupant of the White House mm -hmm. uh, and his unwillingness to, you know, care about people to start with, be a little empathetic to the situation and and recognize reality. Um, so there's that, you know, so until that problem is permanently solved, um, I'm not sure we're going to be able to move to the next step. Well, you know, it's, 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 it's an act, you know, I mean, unless we're, unless we're really going into total strange love, unless we're going into some kind of, I mean, it's already kind of a post-apocalyptic nightmare. It's actually, you know, like, <laughs> it, like, unless we're really going to a place that, I mean, I know a lot of people are frightened about his next moves. I, I don't think anything's going to come of it. I think no, I, I, I don't think. I just I, think, I, just so think I just think we just have to suffer through another month and a half. But at the worst 
possible time, as you just mentioned, it's yeah. winter time. There, there's there's going to be a whole host of evictions, and and people are not going to have just simple, you know, the stimulus money that we, you know, we, we should have done a second round. Uh, there needs to be um, uh, something done about uh, small businesses to keep people working. You know, all these restaurants are going to close here again because the numbers are spiking. Uh, and, uh, you know, the governors and the local officials are just going to have to react and they're going to do so in a haphazard way as opposed to a national um, solution, which m most other modern countries have done. But um, uh, we could yeah. go on forever on this, yeah. Yeah. but let's let's get back to, to, to a little bit about about Jimmy and why <laughs> he was so important to you. OK, you know, growing up as a guitar player. Well, he was. Jim Hendrix was incredibly important to me because, number one, there was nobody. I mean, I was too young um, to go to the gigs and things, but just him being on the Dick Cavett show, yeah, was I, I, no, no, you know, I never you, you didn't see anybody like him. I mean, really, it was like Hendrix, and a little later on Sly Stone. I mean, these they were really this countercultural phenomenons mm -hmm. and and my real introduction to jimmy came a couple of years after his death but really you know I, I mean i think about the isley brothers you know and and who's that lady you know the fact that ernie isley mm. you know, uh kept that sound in 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 america's consciousness, the world's consciousness with hit records you know what i mean mm -hmm. like fight the power and who's that lady Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, they were kind of crucial to keep the idea of what Hendrix represented, you know, through, you know, Jimmy's influence on a very young Ernie Isley. So hearing the Band of Gypsies record, you know, the the Vietnam War was still happening. So the, like the, I, I particularly talk about Machine Gun, his version of Machine Gun that's yeah. on the official album. You know, mm -hmm. the, he played Machine Gun twice that night. He played it in the earlier set. And the earlier set version of Machine Gun is really interesting, but it's nothing like the second set version of Machine Gun. And, um, you know, apparently, you know, basic after that first set, uh, Jimmy you know, goes to Bill Graham, Bill Graham, you know. Yeah. Who, who, oh, oh, I know the story. Yeah. Right. Bill said, eh, and he goes, and it, was, Bill, it wasn't a great show. Yeah. Yeah. And Bill was like, yeah, it was good. You know, and, and Jimmy, and you know, it was like, and Jimmy was like, what? You know, he's like, and, and, and he was like, yeah, okay. And, and, and the fact, and then he turned around and then just decided and just, just, he, he, he basically, he basically engaged that extra gear, that overdrive. And he just made a concert. I mean, with uh, uh, Buddy Miles and Billy Cox, he yeah. made a concert for the ages. Yeah, this it, is that New Year's Eve uh, New film Year's show. Nineteen seventy, yeah. yeah. and yeah. Um, and that version of Machine Gun, like, it was so, it was a, it was a movie. It was, it was, it was basically Apocalypse Now before Apocalypse Now was, you know, it made you. It was there in song, yeah. It forced you to walk point mm -hmm. in a rice paddy, <laughs> you know, and yeah. and that first long note that he plays in his solo, I mean, it's it's uh it's astonishing, it's astonishing, and the whole record, you know, um, message to love, power of soul. I mean, uh, who knows? And who knows? I think I I improvised on the spot, you know, like 
it's um he he disrupted um the meaning of guitar that's the thing about Jimi hendrix in his short in his short time he disrupted the meaning of the instrument because yeah when, i mean think about the things he did you know and he you know when he when he did all his tricks you know doing the splits behind his head with his teeth playing with his teeth i mean that's <laughs> all t-bone that's all t-bone walker type of stuff that's that's yeah. all that's all goes back to like t-bone walker yeah, yeah. And uh, the way Texas blues then. And, um, but he did it at a volume and he did it with like, with like these particular, these clothes and his crazy hair and the psychedelic lights. And he, well, don't, don't forget those Marshall stacks. That's your, yeah. yeah. Well, and, well, the guitar at that, <laughs> well, right. And the other thing too, the guitar at that volume becomes a different animal. And he yeah. was able to use the, the kind of shrieking noises coming out of the guitar and everything he was able to utilize every sound. Yeah. Control like what, and feedback uh, and things like that. Yeah. And his range of expression on the instrument was disruptive. He went from really gentle kind of filigrees and things like that. Mm -hmm. Beautiful rhythm playing, you know, to shrieking madness. Like he, <laughs> so, so he had access to just butterflies and dragons. Yeah. That's and a good that, way to put it. You know, and, and, you know, and that's the thing. And he was completely, and it was just kind of also, he was relentlessly present in the in his moments. So he would go from this really kind of gentle feeling, you know what I mean? And and uh, and and then taking the guitar and setting it on fire. So he basically he he took the guitar and it was incredibly disruptive. Like anyone that saw Monterey Pop, like yeah. their lives were changed. Like I can't imagine seeing something like that and yeah. not either, you know, deciding to go to medical school, dropping <laughs> out of medical school. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm going to live. I'm going to live in the woods. I mean, yeah. what, like, he and, just, and you know, it, since you brought up Monterey Pop, his isn't the only one that does that. I, I'd put the Otis Redding uh, oh, uh, performance and Janis Joplin. Oh yeah, at that same show. Uh, on par with those moments at yeah. the same show <laughs> Un unreal unreal yeah. so that, so so this whole idea of um of of uh, hendrix as a shaman a media mystic disruptor of mm. everything that had gone mm. before like he called mm -hmm. it the experience this whole idea was yeah. that you were not you were not going to it wasn't to entertain it was to transform so you know basically his his idea was to transform the night transform to utterly transform who you were what the night was and that the idea that everyone is going to be different on the other side of whatever this is we're all going to be different and mm -hmm. that and that idea of, of of music as a transformative force was very much and he you know in the was very much in the air and in fact it dragged the beatles along the beatles kind of started out as a very talented pop group yeah, and that and and somewhere along the line, they also transformed into into just unsettling, you mm -hmm. know, into it, it, it transformed into help the skelter. It transformed. Yeah, well, into, certainly John on it affected John maybe more so than Paul, but yeah, but he dragged <laughs> um, them, along, but you know, yeah, but he dragged them along, you know, with him. And oh. George, but see, but the other thing too, George, George, kind of single handedly invented world music. 
on a level. You know what I mean? George, in terms of, in terms of its popular, in terms of its popular embrace, like people did not know about Indian Indian music. Oh no, no, no. I, yeah, a single sitar on "Tomorrow Never Knows" changes the pop landscape into and introduces right. the Western world to and, Eastern and, music and becomes and becomes the Jerry Jones electric sitar. Yeah, right. It yeah. becomes the Jerry Jones electric sitar, and the electric sitar shows up on R and B records. Yeah, right. That's, that sound. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that sound shows up on Temptations records. Yeah, right? yeah. Afterwards, so the, yeah, yeah. So in other words, all of the stuff that was going on, the technology, everything was evolving and shifting and changing. And it was kind of like the culmination of the new frontier. You can't, you can't separate it from the, you know, from Mer- the Mercury launches and the Apollo, you know. No, no, no. It's, I, all, it was, all, it's all together. Yeah, it's all. It, all well, there's a feedback loop of the culture and the music and the music to the culture, uh, you know, art reflecting life, life reflecting art. We all know that, but it was literally happening in real time and it was being exposed by mass media. So, you know, you could, right. it was evolution of the media. It was also the yeah. evolution of the media. It was yeah. also like yeah. Marshall you know, McLuhan and all record that. Players, yeah. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. record players were, you know, were like a family council. They were essentially a gigantic, you know, they were furniture and they, you know, and it was like the family center, right? Like we gather mm-hmm. around yeah. this thing yeah. that delivers radio, you know, mm-hmm. and, and records and whatnot. And the portable record player changed, you know, along with boomer teenagers. That, yeah. A tran- transistor, the transistor the radio. Transistor to be able radio. To, and then to take it uh, um, out outside the house and share it with other people. You know, we don't really have that experience with music these days. You know, we've gone from, you know, music, which was very collaborative and very social to it's individualistic and it is now internal. You know, we, we all walk around with these little earbuds in our ears. Right. We're listening to what we want. And then the, the guy you, you say hi to, he's listening to what he wants as opposed to a boom box, which might cause somebody to go, hey, what's that? And so right. um, yeah, it's, it's, we're in a weird state. Of we're music. in a weird place. And, you know, it's so funny because um, uh, the vinyl record managed, has managed to survive on some level. You know, mm-hmm. bands are still, you know, the idea of making physical product, right, is you would think that would be completely over, but it's not. And and it actually functions in a weird kind of underground. Like, yeah, it, it will replace the CD last year as, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the go-to physical um, type of music purchase now. So it, it now uh, has uh, eclipsed the CD uh, as it, how yeah, people because, get a tangible piece of music. Because also the album cover as a piece of artwork as a mass, you know, as a, as a, as a mass manufactured artwork has returned, right? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's a canvas. It's, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, and it, you need that 12 inch side to exactly. kind of get it, you know, it's the, the little CD and beyond it's uh, it, the artwork. Be, uh, it, it was obvious. I mean, we, and we know the budgets of, uh, you know, uh, album sleeve uh, artwork were reduced with the, with the CD because it just wasn't, it wasn't translating over and helping to make the sale. Whereas the 12 inch boy, that was a huge piece of getting people to pay attention and buy that record. Yeah. So, the, so all of this stuff is, is, um, it's all it's all connected that's the thing we when when we talk about these things we tend we have a tendency to separate out one bit right it's just kind of like somebody wants you to buy their strings or they want you to get their tit the pickups or they want you to get 
a paddle. And it's really the interaction of all of the elements. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the interaction of everything. So, you know, like one set of strings will nudge it along. And these pickups will nudge along, but the guitar itself has to sound good acoustically. It has to, it has to resonate acoustically for any pickups to work on any particular guitar. And, yeah. and so on and so forth. And it also is like the kind of, do you play with a very thin pick or very thick pick, you know, and, and it, all everything. It all affects the interaction with the physical instrument and creates your individual sound by choosing those things. Right? But in order to sell something, you have to kind of deny that reality, right? In mm. order to sell something, you have to say, you know what, it's all happening because of my strings it's all happening because of my really like that you have to kind of take the reality and and this is true of kind of everything you have to make force people to focus on the thing you're selling and deny all the other things that come into play to make an experience you Mm. know all all these things are, are are you know one of the things okay so like the mandalorian one thing you know like there's this thing that they're doing right now, which is so mind blowing. So no spoilers wanted, now, Vernon. No, spoilers. no, no, no spoiling, no spoiling, no spoiling. <laughs> but they have they have a um a companion piece called the gallery, right? And it's really about the making. It's it's a bunch of directors, different directors. Yes, yeah. John Favreau talking about, mm-hmm. and they're doing this thing with these live video screens. They're doing this thing with these giant live video screens uh-huh. and they're using a variation of the Unreal Gaming Engine to create real-time mm. backgrounds that are indistinguishable. Like, like it's like not, it's not green screen. They're actually creating. Like, they're, if they're shooting a valley, they actually create the valley and they create the lighting and the time of day, and they create oh it's it's amazing it's the it, the cinematic quality of that show is really off it's the insane. charts and yeah, and the yeah. actors are like okay so i'm standing i'm in i'm in an enclosed space when they turn on the screens i feel as if i'm in a canyon i think the so, canyon oh so so they're they're actually putting it into the real world where these actors are doing their job. So as opposed to trying to imagine it as we've had to in the past with blue screens and green screens, you're, 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 they're, they're actually piping in the look that you're going to see. And they're changing in real time and they're changing in real, and they're bringing elements in, in real time. They want a ship to fly over. They, they have the ship fly over. And no, no, it's, it's, it's crazy because they show, Wow. Uh, um, the uh, the studio they show the lot where they're doing it, and at a certain point, you know, you see them moving the screen, and it's cr- it's the resolu- it's it's crazy what's mm-hmm. happening, and um, you know, and it's implicate. Basically, what they're doing with that show is they're actually again, you know, industrial light and magic was the cutting edge. Yeah. And what they're doing with that show, with practical effects, puppetry, the mm-hmm. you know using like gaming technology, is mm-hmm. is pushing. It's changing filmmaking. Filmmaking is going to change because of this TV show. Oh yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, I can see that. And it's, yeah, as well. And so, like you know, this whole this whole thing. You know, I can say that you know people have been you know like what what if what what it, would Hendrix be playing if he had lived? And and one of the weird things I think about is, well, everything would be different. I mean, Jimi Hendrix doesn't 
suffocate. You know what I mean? And he, well, he would have, like, guitar effects would have been different if he, if Jimi Hendrix had lived, prototypes, like, we would have had the whammy pedal maybe 10 years earlier. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, prototypical, we would have had mm-hmm. pitch to MIDI guitar, guitars, controlling synthesizers, maybe. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, because the makers and the builders would have been approaching him because they saw what he did with the Univibe. They saw what he did with the Wawa pedal mm-hmm. and what he was doing in the studio with flanging and things like that. So, you know, the Mike Matthews of the world, you know, whatever they would, it, yeah. they would have developed mm-hmm. things and presented things to him. Yeah. Like harmonizers and things might've happened yeah. and been practical. Yeah. Ten years, and so if that moved up, ten he, years, he, and he would have totally bought into that because, as we he know, he totally. he was a big digester of sci-fi. A lot of people don't know that, and so he was constantly thinking oh, yeah. about the future. And you know, he was born into this moment where you know that was a big thing he about American culture was about the future. You know, it was everything yeah, was futurism? About the future. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's kind it's kind of like, and it's just it's not unrelated to you know like the fact that. All of the Silicon Valley guys were in California at a particular time when yeah. the first computers were being put in the California schools and yeah. Xerox Park was happening. Yeah. And, all, and, and they were around mm-hmm. for that for that thing. And the fact that, you know, like uh, Steve Jobs drops out and he decides to, to audit calligraphy classes right so you know and and and, and by auditing calligraphy the whole concept of fonts you know, yeah and learning about fonts which was a huge huge advance huge. with, with and, the and mac so, when he when they first launched the mac was those those fonts and the desktop publishing that could come out of that exactly which, to your point yeah. so so all of this is happening and right now we're in a we're in a strange like what's gonna be? So we're in a a a, a time where there's a, just a multiplicity of just the technologies are going every which way. The technology is going every which way, and people are utilizing technologies. Like you know, like uh, my my wife's a filmmaker, and um, and and she teaches uh, dance at dance and filmmaking at Barnard College. And there's an artist that made a zoom, made a kind of dance zoom thing where she had, she had like a bunch of people performing it and they, they choreographed everything they were doing on a zoom call. And it was amazing. It was like, wow, that's wow. It was amazing. Like the name just, <laughs> you'll have to, sh- you'll have to share it with us. Uh, yeah, I'd love yeah. to see that. Yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll send a, send you an email or <laughs> something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you know, please, please. Yeah, you know, but it's it, no, the, but people are are this thing that's happening with TikTok is like, you know, at one point there was this thing called Vine, and Vine was great because it was yep. six second, six second video. It was fabulous, yep. you know what I mean? And and now that sort of thing has kind of migrated to TikTok. So people are doing all of these kind of sight gags and weird, you yeah. know, weird stuff. But at the same time, you know, so. So that's happening there. But then this thing Quibi is kind of having a big problem because and they're doing all this content, like vertical video content. And there's something about it that's weird. I don't 
I don't dig it. Uh, well, it didn't work because you know Quibi right. is now defunct. So uh, and, you and know it, the ten minute the ten minute uh, operation was. I, I don't know why. Well, 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 part of it is is weird because you can't things like that. There's certain things you can't do it top down. Culture doesn't really work top down. No, so no, it, it, has it, to, it has to it has to bubble up from the bottom. Yeah, and also it's kind of like. Like everyone's trying to figure out the alchemical formula for going viral and no one will ever get it because it's because the thing that catches people's why something is trending, why a phrase is trending. <sighs> Explain to me why the guy on a skateboard miming dreams goes viral. I, I yeah. cannot fathom what it was about that guy, that song and that day that turned into this giant phenomenon because we're because it's a, because we're a hive mind that's not aware that's not aware of itself mm. but yet and still the hive mind that we are is constantly looking for novelty and i mean that not in a non-pejorative sense mm -hmm. you know we're looking constantly for novelty and when something catches it's like the guy says guys i'm gonna make i want to make this egg salad i'm gonna make a bowl of egg salad and he and he goes to GoFundMe, and he gets and it's so outrageous, it's so stupid, it's so outlandish that he makes a shit ton of money. Because yeah, it's because somebody. It's so dumb. Somebody. It's so uh, ridiculous. Enough people are gonna go. Oh, I gotta see that. <laughs> you know, what I mean? and he's and he says, "I'm gonna make this egg salad, and I'm gonna and, and I'm not and I'm not sending it to anyone. I'm making this egg salad for myself to eat, yeah. Yeah. and." You know, and it's and, and it's kind of like well, the Blair Rich Project thing. It's like mm. something like that, like can only happen. It's it's like a bunch of once in a lifetime things, but these once in a lifetime things are constantly happening. It's mm, yeah, it's kind of, you know, uh, it's like Gangnam Style. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, or when that happened, rain. yeah, it's yeah, it's these moments that are really fleeting incredibly fleeting but they're but they exist but they're fleeting and mm -hmm. that oscillation is what animates it but the thing is you can't manufacture it when people say well we want to go by it, 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 it's 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 a it's a it's a weird it's a weird thing so if you want to put on a bunny you know if, like you can't put on a bunny costume like you have to be you have to be the kind of person that goes effort i'm putting on a bunny costume and be, and, and be un completely unattached to the outcome. And if you do that, you're, and you're just, a, you're just, I'm going to put on this bunny outfit. And because you're completely unattached to it and you don't give a F what people say, that'll become viral. But if you, if you say, I'm going to put on a fuzzy costume to go viral, it's not going to happen. Right. It's, oh, it's, it's a weird, weird mm -hmm. thing. Well, it's the same with music. Uh, you know, uh, you know, we, we, we pay all these people to, uh, you know, try to find the next thing. Yeah. And it's you can't. It just has to happen. It, uh, you know, I mean, it happened to you. I, you know, yeah, you, right. you guys were, yeah, no, I, you know, you out know. there trying and boom, one day. I mean, you know, you had some uh, some uh, advantages having Mick Jagger produce your first yeah, uh, that demo was, tapes. No, that helps. But, <laughs> it was it was, but it wasn't. You know what I mean? That's the thing. Once we once we did that, it didn't help. I mean, it helped us to get signed. He mm -hmm. was great in the studio. He did a mm -hmm. couple. He did Which Way to America and Glam Boys, and he was great. 
Yeah. But once he did it, you know, like famous people can help, but only but so much. Of it, course. Yeah. You have it, to have it, the talent. You have you know, to be able to it's, it's, and it's, and do it, it on it's, your own. It's an indictment. It's, it's kind of an indictment of the fact that we had to have the most famous person in rock and roll. Like, you know, we have, to, yeah. we have to have the most famous person in rock and roll work with us in order for us to be considered to, 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 to wind up in the back of the line with everybody else's record. Right. Like you have all these people struggling, great musicians, media, whatever, all these people struggling to do their thing. And mm -hmm. you do the thing and you go through all of that and you and then you find when you get on the other side of the magical portal of record contract. You're in a room with all these other people that somehow, you know, in the salmon spawning moment, managed to get in that room. And it's, and it's like everybody, it's, you know, it's like, you know, you struggle to get into a school and at, at, at orientation, you're in a room with a bunch of yobs who also, they went through all the nightmare things you go through. That, that right? you did. Valedictorian, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. you did all extra credit, you did community <laughs> service, and then you're in a room with all of these other people. They did all this other stuff, but you suddenly, you know, you're Mr. and Mrs. Specialness, you're in a room of specialness. And at yeah. that point, you're not special at all because you're in no. a room with all these other hopeful people. And, mm -hmm. and you go on to the next funnel and the next funnel and the next. Mm -hmm. You know, and mm -hmm. this is the intolerableness of, you know, like we make these 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 distinctions, and it's kind of funny. Like so, like a, like Jimi Hendrix, right? Jimi Hendrix, if it was left, you know, he had to go, he had to he had to take a journey, the hero's journey, and he had to go to the netherworld. He had to do all these things, right? Mm -hmm. He had to go. Joseph, to we're going Joseph Campbell now. Okay, cool. Right? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> right? Chad yeah, Chandler yeah. said, "You know, man, we'll come with me." Yeah, to yeah. He could have said. Back up off me, white boy. You could have just said, I don't know you. You know, yeah. I mean, and and the thing about it is, there, you know, this is the weird thing. Jimi Hendrix is unique, but Jimi Hendrix is also not unique. I believe there are 30 Jimi Hendrixes that we've never heard of and we'll never hear of. You know, there because people, the dominoes just didn't fall that way. Because because, you know, there are, you know, somebody sent me uh played me a a, 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 a tape of a friend of his playing guitar, and the kid was like 17 years old. Mm -hmm. Right, and this was back in the eighties, and the kid was ridiculous. I mean, like Eddie Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen, good, but he didn't sound anything like Eddie Van Halen. It, he just, just sounded original. He just or, was, yeah. was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. listening, and going, this dude is ridiculous, and that yeah. dude, he never got in a band. You know, the, the Van, you know, we just lost Van Halen. Van Halen, remarkable, but also Van Halen. It was him, his brother, Mike Anthony, David Lee Roth. Like it, it, it was the combination. And, and, you know, like you could say the same thing, you know, Axel and Slash and, you know, all, all those. Dudes. Oh, it's the magic of those personalities. It's the magic of these together. things. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so, and, and, and that magic can be, it can be dark magic. It could be, it could be, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, think mm -hmm. of, think about, think, think, try to imagine Fleetwood Mac. Now Fleetwood Mac, was already a great band, and then yeah, Peter Green's Fleetwood, yeah, you know, but yeah. Peter, Peter Green was, yeah. a, you know, and Peter Green, it's like he's a guitarist, guitarist, guitarist. Like there are a few dudes who actually achieved a certain amount of notoriety, but never became super famous. Tommy Bolin, Tommy Bolin, yeah. ridiculous, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, ridiculously great guitar player, right? Mm -hmm. Jan Ackerman with Focus. I mean, there was a bunch of cats that were like they were either associated with one band or, you know, but 
you know, people know like the, the can, amazing Canadian guitarist Dominic Troiano. People have no idea who that guy is, and he's, he's you know, and, and so on and so forth. And this is the person that actually achieved a, you know, achieved a measure. But you know, but there for everyone that you know, there are 20, 30, 40, 50 yeah. people that, that were probably just as together. good never, and never, met, never got I've there. Met, I, I've met a number of people who were so unique and mm. so interesting, and so they had that thing. And the problem is the, 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 the context, the timing, you know, and that's the great, and that's the great tragedy. And Hendrix, for, for the tragic way he, he passed at 27, mm. you know, Charlie Christian, tra Charlie Christian died at 23 and turned the world upside down. <laughs> right. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I mean, you know, Clifford Brown, you know what I mean? Clifford Brown, mm -hmm. also 23 years old. Right. Yeah. Um, Lord Lord Byron, I think he was uh, only 27, it's, 28. It's unbelievable. Was... It's unbelievable. So, 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 you know, the thing is, Jimi Hendrix, he took a, he took a walk into space. He took a leap of faith. He went with Jazz Chan. He went to, he went to London. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and, and at that point, just having the opportunity, all of his ideas, he was bottled up. The thing about it is he was kept under managed by R&B and the Chitlin circuit. He was yeah. fired from, you know, yeah. Um, Little Richard's band. Little Richard, and and Little, else. Richard yeah. Little Richard in that in that um Joe Boyd produced movie, a film by Jimi Hendrix. Little Richard's his little excerpt talk about Jimi Hendrix is is one of the greatest pieces of rock and roll film of all time. It's 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 ridiculous. He goes, that's what it is. That's what the answer is. You need to be put in the dipper and poured back onto the world. He's like, I knew he was a star. Everybody knew he was a star. I knew he was a star. And then he pauses. He goes, that's it. That's what the answer is, <laughs> you know. That's and, that, that's little Richard. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And and but but you know what? He wouldn't have happened without Sister Rosetta Tharp. No, of course. Sister oh, Rosetta, yeah. And Sister Rosetta Tharp was she, who found him very young. Yeah. And Sister Richard, Rosetta, young, yeah. And he was an acolyte of Sister Rosetta Tharp. Yeah. And Sister Rosetta Tharp was a was she was a gospel powerhouse. She was yeah. a she was a rock star in the gospel world. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the thing about it is she didn't cross over into the secular secular room. Now, it took many, many, many yeah, there's years. There's a lot of reasons people, for that. Uh, for, yeah. yeah, and it mm -hmm. took uh, many years for people to acknowledge Sister Rosetta Tharp as the mm -hmm. She was a phenomenal guitar player. You oh, God, I mean? yeah. yeah. And, 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 and it's because a lot of reasons, as you say. And, you know, again, you know, a lot of we're only we only start to recognize her in like the last 20 years you know what mm -hmm. i mean to really talk about how bad she was you know what i mean and mm. this is this is it happens again and again and again and again and um what can we say man you know life is is you know life is is a uh, random and cruel and weird and you know all all of these things like who would have thought that Peter Parker and Miles Morales. You know, who would have thought that the figure of Spider-Man would be so this this, you know, Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. Who who would have thought that this character would have had such an impact in the world? Right. You know, these characters, Tony Stark, Bruce Banner. You know, this was nonsense. You know, they, they, oh, it was childish. It was it's a childish, uh, right? It was not you know, not to be taken right. serious but, but in any the, way, shape, or form. It in its original incarnations. But, yeah. But here's the thing: comic book artists are amongst the greatest 
I mean, their way, the way they deal with the anatomy, the human form, the flow of movement, the cinematic quality of it, it's astonishing what comic book artists do. And it's mm. considered a nonsense, what manga artists do. It's considered nonsense. At the same time, the thing that's considered nonsense is also a billion-dollar business. <laughs> that's, the, that's the part of it, right? That's the thing. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. and, people are, and people are sick and tired of it. Oh, another comic book movie. Uh, but, you know, it's so funny because, it, you know, if you're a certain age, it's remarkable. It's remarkable that these movies, like, you know, early comic book movies, the costumes look terrible. The costumes looked terrible. Yeah, and the production values were production, uh, pretty, pretty weak. And now they've re they managed to get to a place where they reimagined the costumes where they look amazing, where they actually work. So it's like, it's also the technology of, of fabric design. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's also it's also all these other technologies also advanced. Those technologies did not exist. No. You know, uh, in the golden uh, age of, they, of they, comic they books. They certainly yeah. didn't. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Yeah. And now you couldn't you couldn't do uh, some of these um, uh, looks and feels and vignettes oh that were, were, were drawn. It, it's was, like, it, it was impossible. At the like time. Robert yeah. Patterson as the Batman. Like think about Adam West and Adam <laughs> West. And his car, and you know, his costume, and go to you know. Yeah, where where uh, uh, Avengers was uh, it, it, last it, year. It, yeah, it, it's, it's it's light. It's a it's a light year. Uh, it's yeah. it's light. You know, and this is and this is and this is the thing. But also, you know, like again, the Joseph Campbell thing. Like, why do we need these archives? Why do we need the golems? Why do we need you know? Why do we need mm -hmm. the supernatural? You know. Why do we need beings of supernatural power and things like that? It's and it's 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 a it's a it's a weird it's a weird facet of how we organize and think about the world that we live in. You know, mm -hmm. and again, like you know, what J a Jimi Hendrix did, he was fed by comics and he was fed by rock and roll. And it was fed by just extravagance, you know, like Little Richard's extravagance. He was like, "Oh, you know, you know yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take some of that." Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, which got him, yeah. you know, because basically, Jimmy. Well, Hendrix, look at look at Prince. I mean, Prince is like the perfect like amalgamation that. of like the greatest black artists of the yeah, previous he generation. Pulls, he or pulls two. all that together, together, and it's so weird for me because you know we're we were the same age. We're born in fifty eight, yeah. and yeah. you know he heard Sly and the Family Stone when I heard Sly and the Family Stone. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, he, I mean, he heard, he heard, he heard Black Magic Woman when I heard mm -hmm. Black Magic Woman, you know, yeah. on opposite ends of the country. Of course, yeah. he's a yeah. genius, but you know, <laughs> he, but, but, but. The, the oh, he's was, a genius. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. oh my God. And, and. You're and pretty good yourself though, Vernon. Oh, don't, 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 yeah. but, but, but the whole concept of, of all of these things, everything from Star Trek to Lost in Space to Time Tunnel to Voice to the Bottom of the Sea, you know what I mean? All, and all of these and American Bandstand and Soul Train and all of that, you know, and I had a dream and by any means necessary. And, you know, the, you know, it, it, all of the things, all of that and the assassinations and the, you know what I mean? All of the, the, the good, the bad, the horrible, the funky, you know, all of it created these conditions created these conditions and it created these conditions, you know, like for the Beatles to go from, I want to hold your hand to revolution. Number nine, 
like that's i mean that journey makes in in five years head, yeah that journey makes yeah. radiohead possible right yeah of course mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right it yeah. makes you know it, it goes from you know fake plastic trees to like paranoid android you know yeah and, yep. you know subterranean homesick alien doesn't happen <laughs> without bob dylan right it's a yeah. it's, it's a flipping you know what i mean so playing the homesick blues and flipping it yeah, around. Yeah, and flipping it around. Right, 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 right. Flipping it around right, right. and, and uh, <laughs> putting it through a transporter. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so it's all of these things. And and uh, the figure and, and all all what happened, you know, Hendrix in 68, Van Halen in 78. You know, yeah. all of these things are part of a, a part of a, a continuum, are part of uh, the, the weird, the weird mirror. And and right now, right about now. It's kind of like we're all waiting to hear something, you know. We're all there's something that we're waiting to hear, and 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 maybe it's Billie Eilish is going to do it because Billie Eilish is so funny, man. Like uh, she's like she's like, uh, um, uh, who's uh, from the Adams family? Wednesday? Oh, Wednesday. Yeah, <laughs> she's like <laughs> she's a bit like Wednesday. Yeah, like yeah. it's like she's like kind of like <laughs> Wednesday Adams. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? <laughs> but with tubes, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. so there's something creepy and fabulous about her, right? Mm-hmm. Like she, you know, and, and she kind of like, you imagine, and part of the reason why she's massive is because you imagine the same girl would be just in a room doing this by herself, like really creepy and weird, right? And But that is what she does. <laughs> and, and, but, but it became this mass market thing because she seems not to care. And that seems yeah. She, there's 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 a a a, a disattachment uh, to her. It's amazing. In it's some um, ways, yeah. It's it's kind of incredible. It's kind yeah, of incredible yeah. when you think, okay. So so she's the one who's uh, putting on the bunny suit and not giving a shit. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> she's right. pretty much, pretty yeah. much, and and that's and and that thing, and those things, and who knows what the end is going to be? Who knows what you know? You know, like we're living in this Marshall McLuhan, Lovecraftian, insane yeah. Walt Disney. You know what I mean? And I mean altered reality. Yeah, we're, yeah. right. These altered realities mm-hmm. and the collision mm-hmm. of, and it's actually a collision and a collage of realities. You know, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter being completely misinterpreted because it's kind of like when you, people go, "All lives matter," it's like you well. Say, <laughs> you so totally uh, you so, missed the you point. Went, you, you went way. You went completely. You have no. You you just and it's kind of like and, and it would almost be funny if it also wasn't tragic, right? It was also like like George Floyd had to be murdered sadistically in slow motion, on camera, on camera, and you know, and and he had to call out for his mama. And that not changed the outcome. And, yeah. and, and that, and the idea, we hate the idea of an unchangeable outcome. We want the cavalry, the superhero, that we want. We want James Kirk. We want conscience. We want James Kirk at the Kobayashi Maru experiment. Right. We want, yeah, we want. <laughs> There's got to be a way out. <laughs> You know, we, we got, want, I will cheat if there has, there's no, no way. We out. want like one of the other cops watching this to, to go. Yeah. Do, hey, and, dude, stop. What are you doing? And, and, right. this, and you know, we, you know, and this is, and this is the, and we're, and we're faced with the disappointment 
of what our fantasy narratives tell us about who we are and what we're capable of mm -hmm. and the reality of who we are and what we're capable of. And that's, and that's part of the, that's part of the uh, um, trauma and of the pain of the American ideas. Cause we've told ourselves, you know, that uh, Hannibal Lecter would never hurt uh, 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 Cla Cla Clarice. 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 Thank you, Clarice. Yeah. Yeah. Hannibal, you know, the whole idea is that you know, he would never harm Clarice because it would be rude. <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> and, 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 and we've turned the serial killer into a kind of hero. Anti-hero, yeah, yeah anti-hero. Yeah. We 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 yeah. we act. It's 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 weird. Well, I, I know the last one, the Walter White story. You know, Breaking Bad oh. comes to mind. You know, the good guy goes goes bad, and and that that's like the common feature. Or you know, in fact, and that's that's a disservice to our culture in a lot of ways. You know, I was in a conversation with somebody about Ozark. You know, it's like I Ozark watched them in that show, and my thought was like, is everybody in the Ozarks drug dealers? Oh, Jesus Christ! You know, and that's yeah. the, and it, it, and and I guess you know we we've been dancing around this uh, in our conversation today about that you know that that how how these programs are now so close to reality that we just assume that it, it you know there used to be this ability of like you know the batman okay let's let's take adam west nobody would ever believe that was remotely true but what? today, Batman, you could kind of like go, hmm, I guess that's possible. Well, you, you know, know something? You know something? I'll tell you something. And this is the thing that I've been thinking about. Like, they're avoiding Robin. Like, all of the Batman narratives. <laughs> they can't, they, like, like, they're avoiding Robin like the plague. Because well, because it, it invokes the, the, the homoerotic, <laughs> you know, the possible homoerotic <laughs> undertone. Wait, 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 well, Adam West, I mean, what do you, you mean know, he's your ward? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's, and, and, you know what I mean? And it's kind of like this, you know, like Adam West is like, it was this kind of patrician, you know, it's sort of like uh, he's kind of like Robin's finishing school or something. It's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, 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 <laughs> you know, Robin yeah. is. Oh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, Vernon Reed, um, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of people about Jimi Hendrix over the years, and I, I, I feel like I've literally talked to one of his children. You know, you, you just you have the same vibe of everything I've read about the guy. Um, you these interests. It's it's it it it's been a great pleasure talking with you today. Well, we thank you, man. You honor me with that, and um. You know, I, I just want to say I want to I want to give a shout out to my friend and mentor Ronnie Drayton, who passed this year. He uh, he had a he, he passed before uh, COVID-19 uh, complications from cancer treatment. And mm. um, he played with Nona Hendrix. He um, played with Edwin Birdsong. There's a record that Eddie Kramer produced called Supernatural. Um, if you can find it, uh, it's an Edwin Birdsong record. But Ronnie was, I think, 18 years old, and it's it's ridiculous. He played with the band The Family Stand, and mm. you know there are many children of Hendrix. There are many, yeah. and yeah. um, and uh, Ronnie, he actually went to the band. You know, an uncle of his took him to see the band of Gypsies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he was one of the few black kids that were actually in the room, and yeah. um, 
and he really brought that feeling. <laughs> he would play, he would, he would uh, play these amazing guitar solos, and there would be this moment. He would take this, play this note, and I go, "That's the machine gun note." You went, mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. Uh, he was a he was a dear friend, and uh, and also he was an activist, and. Uh, a criminal justice warrior, you know, his his son had gotten caught up in the system and he had fought, you know, you know, he fought the law and won and got his, his son released. And uh, so, so yeah. he's someone I just, before we even go, I just want to say, you know, Roddy Drayton was the real deal. And uh, thank you for this opportunity. Vernon, it's been a great discussion today and I uh, appreciate you being with us on Deeper Digs. Oh man, it's cool. <laughs> The great Vernon Reed Diggers. Man, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I really felt like we had a mind meld. I mean, there was literally a painting by his younger sister of Spock from Star Trek behind him. How could we not? Really, a lot, uh, just a lot of fun. Uh, Can't wait to catch Vernon when uh, he is back on the road. Okay, don't forget, Friday, November 27th at 7 p.m., that's 2020, uh, Eastern Standard Time. Well, Friday, November 27th, 2020 at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Kiss the Sky presents a live stream of their annual Jimi Hendrix birthday bash direct from the historic Bearsville Theater in Woodstock, New York. The world's greatest tribute to Jimi Hendrix, Kiss the Sky recreates Hendrix's most iconic performance moments in full replica wardrobe and gear. Um, <clears throat> check thebearsvilletheater.com or Kiss the Sky tribute page on Facebook for more information. It's all there. Get some tickets. And like I said, come on, what else are you going to do on Friday night? Enjoy some free Jimi Hendrix live for free. I mean, you know, that, 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 what better deal is that? Um, I guarantee you. I, I've seen Jimmy Blue. I've seen Kiss the Sky. They're the real deal. Okay, in a few days, we will have our last show. Uh, for our Hendrix November special. Come on back to hear the thoughts of the great Billy Cox, uh, one of Hendrix's longest collaborators, and Juma Sultan, who was a percussionist with Jimmy. Uh, And finally, we will hear from the man of the hour, the keeper of the flame, Mr. Jimmy Blue, the star of Kiss the Sky. Until then, stay safe, do the right thing, and always keep up the rockin'. I'm a voodoo child Lord, I'm a voodoo child
Deeper Digs is hosted by Christian Swain. Produced by Christian Swain and Peter Ferrioli. Sound designed by Busy Signal Studios. Engineered by Jerry Danielson, Christy O'Donnell, and Leslie Barker. Find all of our shows, notes, and social links at PantheonPodcast.com. Contact us on social at Pantheon Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Tweet us at Pantheon Pods. All songs can be found used in this podcast for purchase or streaming wherever you get your great music. Please pick up these amazing tracks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.